Welcome to Debating Metal. As always, I'm Kenneth Dean, a Dean of Metal, and my co-host is Chris Kay. Today, we're getting back to something we restarted doing at the beginning of the year. We're doing a Worst of First episode, and we're going all the way back to the beginning where it all began. That's right. We're ranking the discography of Black Sabbath from Worst to First. Metal Pioneer's Black Sabbath have an astonishing 19 albums. Nine with original vocalist Ozzy Osbourne, three with Ronnie James Dio, five with Tony Martin, and one each with Ian Gillen and Glenn Hughes, respectively. On this episode, Kenneth and I are going to rank their albums from what we think is their weakest all the way up to what we believe is their very best. So sit back, relax, turn it up to 11, and let the debate begin. Chris, we've finally gotten around to doing Black Sabbath worst to first. This has been something we've talked about on and off for a while. Um, and it's because it's such a, how can I say it nicely? <laughs> eclectic. Daunting. <laughs> well, it's a daunting test, but it's, a, it's such an eclectic catalog. Um, and not because they change styles or anything like that, but because they change singers so many times. Well, uh, I mean, they did change styles though. Like they, they really shifted into different decades and you could tell, um, they changed singers. Uh, they changed, they, at one point, it wasn't even supposed to be Black Sabbath. It was supposed to be a Tony Iommi solo project. Um, you know, turmoil in the band, kicking, well, basically firing the entire band and replacing them with, uh, you know, the, the Mob Rules lineup and then firing that lineup and bringing back the previous one. There's all kinds of turmoil. They have a really interesting history, and they are consistently still, you know, it, one of my top 10 bands of all time. So I definitely wanted to do this list. So, you know, you sit there and say top 10 bands of all time. And, and that's kind of like, it's a, it's a weird feeling for me. Okay. I remember, I think I mentioned it um, last week or on the last episode we were talking about. Uh, I can't, I can't remember exactly what we we're talking about, but I remember saying that I listened to, Oh, cause we were talking about um like the, uh, the albums that are, you know, like career changers. So we were talking mm -hmm. about Paranoid. And I remember going to a park with some friends of mine, and we would just listen to the cassette back and forth, flip it over, back and forth, you know. And I remember that specifically with Paranoid, right? And so, you know, through the years, I listened to the original Sabbath album. I never got into the middle albums. I ended up picking up high, um, the Highway to Hell, uh, <laughs> Heaven and Hell, um, I ended up picking up heaven and hell and listening to that and like really, really enjoyed that and, and kind of seeing, you know, knew the story that Ozzy, you know, quit slash fired. And, you know, he has a solo career running James Dio joined and I'm like, this is a really good album. So then I never got into that middle period that, that, that was very questionable. The, the technical ecstasy, the never say die, even before that, you know, like the sabotage or Sabbath, Sabbath, I saw the records. I never got into them. I mean, I heard songs here and there. So let's doing this, uh, research for this episode was kind of eye opening for me. And it is crazy to think about. To, to some point with technical ecstasy and with never say die, I feel like black Sabbath regressed. Um, and I think that's what happens when you give a band so much power because they had power. They, they basically produced the albums themselves 
with an engineer, when you give someone that much power over their own musical portion of their career without having like outside input, you can go astray really quick, real easy. And I think that's what happened to them in that middle seventies, besides the drugs and all that shit that, that ended up controlling their life. Um, but yeah, I, I personally think they regress and there was so many things that I'm like, is this from 1965 or is this from 1979? I was like, this is so odd sounding to me. So yeah, I, I mean, I, I definitely see some, some merit in what you're saying. Uh, there, I mean, I guess we can get into more detail on it when we get to those particular albums. Um, but yeah, there's, there's a period of time where they were a strong collaborative effort and then there was a time where they weren't and uh we're gonna see the results of that when we discuss each album all right well let's get into it we'll discuss every album that we have listened to painstakingly for the last two weeks (laughs) and uh, and then uh, we'll we are are ranking them from worst to first uh do you want to do this first or do you want me to go first um, you know, I don't mind starting first this time. So okay. let's, uh, let's start with, uh, their worst album. Number 19 forbidden. So for you, for you, 19 was forbidden. Okay. For me. All right. So I think for a lot of people, uh, forbidden is their worst album. I, th- I think there's certainly an argument for others, but, uh, for me, I remember when forbidden came out. Um, it's, there was nothing about it that I really liked. It starts off with, you know, track that, uh, has, uh, iced tea on it. And, you know, like the idea of rack or uh, rap rock, rap, rap metal, you know, some of that stuff was okay, but it felt like black Sabbath was, you know, doing something that was well outside of the bounds of what they should do. Um, there's nothing wrong with experimentation. There's nothing wrong with trying new things, uh, musically, but this felt like a reach and not a good one. Um, there's really no tracks on it other than maybe the title track forbidden that I really have any, uh, uh, saying I like it is a bit much even. It's like forbidden has a few moments on it that I think sound pretty good. Um, Kiss of Death is not terrible, but that's about it. Um, there's nothing on there that I really go, man, I want to ever listen to this. <laughs> um, One more note. Yes. And I, I forgot to say that. The production is terrible. Well, it was produced by Ernie C. <laughs> so and, and if those of you who don't know who Ernie C is, that's um, Ice-T's guitar player, I think. Um and so he was in the band Body Count, or he is. I don't know if he still is or not. But at the time, he was in Body Count with Ice-T, and he was the one who produced this album. Um, yeah, I agree with you. So my for me, number 19 is Forbidden as well. Um, this is one of those cases where a band is kind of, I don't want to say forced, but they're convinced that this is the right direction. And this is black Sabbath. We're talking about, you know, like Rick Rubin, when he did 13 and we'll talk about 13 a little bit later, but when Rick Rubin did 13, he 
worked with Black Sabbath and he tried to get them to be the Black Sabbath from 1970. And some of it was okay and some of it the band didn't like. Um, but so that's that's the thing. You know, you're they're, the producer is trying to do something. Ernie C was trying to do something. He's trying to get them to be more relevant, if you want to say. And I don't think that was something that they needed. They needed to get back to basics and being a, a hard rock, blues, heavy metal band, whatever you want to call what Black Sabbath is, was, you know, will be. <laughs> um, it's 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 just one of those things that I, I definitely didn't work. I mean, tell me, I, I see no redeeming value to anything on this album. I, I agree. And, and it's, it's a weird time because it's mid-90s. And there's a lot of different stuff going on at the time. Black Sabbath almost does not have a home in the mid-90s. You know, they just there's nothing that makes sense for this album. Um, so trying to find some form of relevance, I guess, is about all they could do. But it was a step way in the wrong direction absolutely in the wrong direction i mean it, if they couldn't have stepped any farther away from from where they used to be with this album I, I i don't know if there is anything else that they could have done yeah so and when you said they were out without a home you were kind of referring to like a label or just in general like they no, were just, just lost just, souls yeah just lost walking the no. planet <laughs> but at the same time Oh, go ahead. No, I was going to say at the same time, when you made that reference, the first thing I thought about was, you know, a label home and they had been dropped by Warner brothers. They had been dropped by, I forgot who, uh, who else they were with at one point, but IRS records released this, you know, they gave them the opportunity and, and I'm like, Oof, it's not no bueno. <laughs> no. And it, it Actually, they had been with IRS for most of the 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 nineties, or all of the nineties, really. All, all of the, the records, 90s. all of the nineties, they I, I, they were on IRS records. It just amazes me that the production could drop off so heavily because you know a few years before with Cross Purposes, um, it Dehumanizer, even the Headless Cross, like the, the 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 production was so much better, and this just sounds kind of tinny like underproduced it almost sounds like you know the the drop off between like kiss's first album and their second album mm -hmm. you know so i, right. I just, there's not much to say about forbidden that's positive and then so it's probably better to move on <laughs> let's move on to number 18 all right for me number 18 is cross purposes um so this is the album that came out before forbidden and this is Basically, another album of, you know, it's a Tony Martin vocal album. And to me, it, do, it doesn't really do anything. I mean, it's there, there are a couple of songs that are decent on this album, but for the most part, it's a lot of just not very heavy stuff. And I'm not trying to say like light stuff, you know, it's just not, it's not Black Sabbath. You know, and, that, and that's the reason why I kind of like was turned off by it. See, uh, that argument I don't necessarily agree with because 
saying it's not Black Sabbath because you have to think about where Black Sabbath was at all this time. And I guess it was maybe easier if you were following them um, to understand how they got this far away from where they started. Um, because, I mean, it's really Tony Iommi, right? He's the only one that was consistently with the band for the, its entire existence. Black Sabbath is essentially his band. Uh, so... You you could say like oh well you know Aussie the Aussie version is the only one that matters you could say the DL version is the only one that matters you know if you, if you're any fan out there, um, but the fact is they have very distinct incarnations uh, with different you know, different singers, but there is an evolution that followed through and it, when you put them in in order you know you have. It, they start off as a jam band. They become extremely heavy. They devolve, like you said, back into kind of being a jam band. Uh, then, you know, Dio steps in, brings his elements in, and, and it becomes heavier. But even then, their second album becomes a little bit softer. They get they go with Ian Gillen, and Ian Gillen brings in very deep purple-esque aspects to it. Then it becomes a solo band, essentially, that they f are forced to carry the black Sabbath name and then, you know, bring in Tony Martin and you, you feel that evolution because even then the album was written for Ray Gillen and not for Tony Martin initially. And then they fired him and brought in Tony Martin to sing his parts. So you get more of an, a styled album that was written for Ray Gillen. So th there's so many things like it's it, to say, this isn't Black Sabbath. Black Sabbath has never been consistent. So, you know, to say, like, that any given time, like, even with their, their specific singers that have multiple albums, there's no consistency. It's, it's, the closest you would get would be the Aussie era. I mean, I, I get what you're saying when, in that regards, because there's so many different things going on and, and, you know, we're going to mention a lot more about their changes when they get when we get to those specific albums where those changes were made. But I, I just think what what happens is yes, this is you you can classify this as you know heavy metal as as you can classify this as um, hard hard blues rock whatever you want to call that. Mm -hmm. um, and and this particular album cross purposes this is actually had geezer butler playing bass on it so you got half of the original black sabbath on this and you've got yep. jeff nichols which uh he'd been was, with the band for a long time right yeah. he'd been with the band you know and bobby rondinelli's uh, is you know is a a drummer who has been around for a while and everybody kind of knows who he is um and, you know, then Tony Martin, obviously everybody knows, uh, or Tony was comfortable with Tony Martin as a singer and brought him back because this is an album that came out after Dehumanizer. And so they had reunited the Mob Rules era of Black Sabbath and did Dehumanizer, did a tour, and it went south again. And so now, you know, they bring Tony Martin back. I, it's just, to me, it, it's, an, it's an aimless album, if I put it that way. And, it, you know, there's... It, it it's one of those, it almost feels like it's, it's all leftover filler shit. And, and to me, there's just no, there's no direction and there's no real black Sabbath to it. You know, it's, I didn't like it. Okay. Uh, well, I guess I will talk about cross purposes a bit later, uh, because my number 18 is 13. 
Um, I'm not a big fan of this album whatsoever. I picked it up day one when it came out. Uh, it drones on. It's it's trying to recapture the stuff they did in their earliest years, especially with the original Black Sabbath album. But instead, it just comes off as tired, bored. The lyrics are, are uninspired. Um, Ozzy has no enthusiasm behind his vocals whatsoever. Um, everything is doom and gloom. It's very homogenous all the way through. Like, you could listen to it and... It's sometimes hard to tell one song from another. Um, it's really very close to Forbidden as, as far as quality for me. It's just production is much better. I like Ozzy's voice better than I like Tony Martin. Um, I can find maybe two songs that I find any value in on this one. It's Live Forever and Dear Father. Um, I'm not a big fan of God is Dead. I know people like that one, but... I just think this is a really crappy album. Now, um, I, my 13 for me is a little bit higher up in the rank. You know, I, I agree with you in some of the aspects as far as it's, it's not a very good album, but if you're going to tell me that, you know, obviously you think cross purposes is better or you think, um, you know, other albums are better than this one. Mm-hmm. I, I, my personal point is I disagree with that only because, um, there's there's it, it's more along the lines of what they're trying to, to try to be to me it was almost like they're forced to do this album because they reunited you know and they're putting they want to put out a tour they want to do this so they want to tour on something they didn't have to you know and, and yeah, they should have not done the album right but you know of course they got convinced by by rick rubin oh we could do this this and the other whatever rick rubin's had success reinvigorating certain bands um he's done it they couldn't even keep bill ward on board like well that would that was that's strictly money they didn't want to split it four ways and that that i i i kind of agree with him you know they were going to play him like a like a like a a rented meal (laughs) essentially literally with him for not yeah i agree with with uh bill with not signing no i agree with i thought you were saying you agreed with black sabbath for not wanting to pay I was like, no, oh, no, 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 no. They it should have no. been four equal ways if it they wanted four equal ways. They should have tried to work together. Like money got involved and it it ruined the album. Like it, I, I, I want to know what kind of deal they're trying to give them. Like, like you know, it there's there's three of them. So what would they? They're giving thirty, 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 and then ten. You know, really, or, or was or was Ozzy saying, you know, I I deserve fifty, and the rest of you guys can split the other fifty? I, I mean, I don't know. No one knows the truth about that, but the but it seems awfully odd that Geezer was in there. So to me, it's got to be it was split three ways, you know, and and yeah. they were trying to give they were trying to give Bill just a, a hired hand fifty thousand dollars a night or whatever. I don't I know. Bill is integral to their early sound. And not having him there it was a problem to me too. Like, it's just not a good album. <laughs> so for me, there's a couple of songs that I I, I do like. Um, but again, I'm going to talk about it a little bit later. But the production was one thing that I felt was pretty pretty decent on this. But we'll get more into it when I when we get to me talking about thirteen. All right. Okay. So, what is your number seventeen? My number seventeen is Seventh Star. Um, I don't think it's 
a bad album per se. It's an oddity in their catalog for sure because it's not supposed to be a Black Sabbath album. Um, I think on the album itself, Glenn Hughes sounds great. Um, there's a few songs like In For The Kill I think is a really cool opener. There's some really so- a lot, like a lot softer stuff later on. Even the bonus tracks are I think are pretty good. There's some bluesy stuff. Um, I do like the song Danger Zone to some degree. Um, but it's, you know, if you're going to say one of the albums is not a Black Sabbath album, it's this one, and there's a reason why. You know, it's not it's not supposed to be. Um, right, they, and I, I get that. Um, but I kind of evaluated it by, like, what I think I enjoy the most as far as, you know, the the particular tracks i i basically i made a list and i said you know these are the the songs that really stand out to me and then i said these are the songs that i also enjoy when i listen to the album and i kind of evaluated them that way and then kind of rearranged things based on the actual merit of the song like do i like this one over this one do i think this is a better song etc so that that's what how i kind of found this list it you know put it in order um and seven stars won't just one i never go back to um glenn hughes is a great singer don't get me wrong but uh yeah just there's not a lot on here that i i go out of my way to listen to well for me i had this a little bit higher so we'll talk i'll, I'll talk about it when i get to that mm-hmm. um only because there's certain things about this album that there's certain songs that are better than other songs I listen to. And yeah. so that's why I kind of had it ranked a little bit higher because there's some, there's some albums here in the middle that were just rough and tough to listen to. So uh, yeah. I'll get to those and, and they're, they're obviously they're going to come up now. Um, so for me, uh, number 17 was never say die. Uh, that's the last album for Ozzy before he was fired. Um, and quite honestly, they should have just left it that way <laughs> because it's just not good. It's uninspired. The production's terrible. The, the, the effort to me is terrible. Um, there's t- to me, there's this, this thing about like, like I mentioned at some point in one of our conversations, it it went back to the sixties and I'm like, why, why are we listening to something in 1979 that should have been released even before they released the first black Sabbath album? Like this stuff was even more sixties was flower power kind of songs in 1979. That, that era had died or, you know, it, it says it said it came out in 78 but I mean, for the most part, it had its impact in 79 or lack of impact. So, <laughs> so quite honestly, it was, it was just bad uh, in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, I, I can see that there, there are some, some notes that I have on that when I get to it. Put it, it this way. To me, there's more, there's more redeeming value in Tony Martin's albums <laughs> than this one. Uh, that's, well, that's fair. All right. Uh, all right. So number 16 for me. Uh, is the eternal idol. Um, it's, uh, better than never say die. I can say that, <laughs> um, it actually had some decent songs on it, but it wasn't one of these where I'm going to say, Oh, it, it's so decent. It's going to rank, you know, in the top 10. Um, 
you know, there's, there's, um, let's see, Eternal Idol. I had a note on this one. Oh, there's actually uh, a couple of songs that I was listening to and I'm like, okay, I can, I can deal with that song. The Shining, the first song in the album, not bad. Um, then they tried that whole, the whole doom metal thing, like the whole hitting those heavy chords and stuff like that. I, as much as black Sabbath quote unquote created that, you know, with, with the song black Sabbath in reality, if you think about it, they didn't do that a whole lot in the seventies. There's maybe, uh, one hand full of songs that, that are close to that. And I think they, they kind of bought into their own hype later on, like in the Dio years when they made songs like that with Dio. So to make songs like that on this album, you know, they, they, they had done it before, but I really don't think that's them. You know, it, it's weird. Black Sabbath is all over the place for me. This album just lands in that number 16 spot. Okay, I have it a bit higher, um, but my number 16 is Technical Ecstasy. Um, this is my least favorite Aussie album. Um, the only song of real merit is Backstreet Kids, which is actually a really good song. Um, then All Moving Parts is all right, uh, but everything else is... You know, it's it's a little heavier. It's a little bit better production than Never Say Die. Don't get me wrong. Um, but uh, there's nothing really good on it. So it's hard. It, it, just being heavier doesn't have enough merit to carry it to the, the next level for me. Um, and then my number 15 is Never Say Die. So <laughs> it wasn't a whole lot higher than yours. Um but I, I've always really liked the song Never Say Die Itself. Uh, I think that is a great song. Hard Road is not too bad. Uh, Shockwave, also not too bad. Now, this, is, this one's going to be maybe a little, little controversial to the, the, you know, the everyone that's ever heard. But, <laughs> but uh, Air Dance, I actually really like. It's, it is a very experimental, hippie, dippy song but there's something about it that i just really like and it grew on me over time um and then i ironically like johnny blade because it's such a bad song what the hell's wrong with you <laughs> it, it's okay i i hated it every, like for the first 10 years i heard it right but then that johnny blade like where he goes johnny blade you know it's 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 so bad. It's like watching a train wreck of a movie and you, you know, you like, you're enjoying it because it's awful. <laughs> that's the way I feel about that song. So I ironically like Johnny blade. I don't think it's a good song. Don't get me wrong. It's a um, terrible song. <laughs> exactly. And it's, it's funny. So uh, I get your point on it, you know, and <clears throat> the, the fact that you put them both pretty close together. Uh, obviously tells you a lot about how one, how you feel about the albums, but two, how the albums are themselves. I mean, I had it, you know, I have technical ecstasy a little bit higher. Yeah. Um, uh, never say die. It just was so, to me, it was just so bad. Um, it, it was just like, <laughs> uh, you know, I, the thing is, so 
you've only given these like uh, you know a week or so of listening to some of these albums Dude, Dude, i may have heard them before but like i went through years of listening to even the worst albums so like the, these are i didn't have to listen to anything to to you know do this list because black <laughs> sabbath is a band that i i was like really obsessed with them for a long time their history was just so interesting to me like just you know, having 78 members of a band, you know, <laughs> <laughs> well, they, they lost me after born again. I was really into born again. Yeah. Um, but they, they literally lost me after that. And, um, then, I, you know, I kind of got back into a little bit when, when Dio came back in the band, you know, for dehumanizer. Um, but it, it's, I mean, I, I, I painstakingly listened to this album on the way home yesterday mm-hmm. And I just wanted to drive off the road at sometimes, <laughs> you know, it's like, okay. Uh, Johnny blades, terrible. Never say dies. Really good. Is a really good song. I love, and I, and I actually like the version Ozzy did on speaking of the devil. It's really killer version. You know, like he, he introduced it. This is the last song I ever wrote, uh, in black Sabbath. I want to see that for real, because I don't think you wrote anything on this song. But that's just me. Um, <laughs> not like uh, you know his. his not uh, like Bark at the Moon. Bark at the Moon. <laughs> his, his magnum opus of <laughs> of songwriting. <laughs> he wrote every single thing, every single note. Uh, what an incredible guy, dude! At fourteen years old, <laughs> I even knew that was bullshit. Um, so, so you know, I, I I rank technical ecstasy higher. There's actually some redeeming riffs on that on technical ecstasy. Never say die. I mean, Johnny Blade. I just want to fucking shoot my radio. Um, Junior's eyes. I I was like, oh, apparently Zach did a really good version of it and showed it to Ozzy, and Ozzy liked it. And I'm like, whatever. You know, it's just yeah. And there, there was some, some hippie shit in the, in the second half. I'm like, no, nah, no. Nah. This is not my thing. And that's part of the reason why I was saying that Black Sabbath is so weird in that regard. Like, like everyone holds them in high in such high reverence, right? And that's great. But guess what? To me, the reverence that they are held in are is based on two periods of time. Okay. And it's from 1970 when everyone discovered them for the most part, up until 19. 19- 75 so five years and then the the two years in black sabbath that uh that had dio you know um 1980 and 81 i mean it's not a whole lot different with other bands like kiss you know there are there are people that love their entire catalog but there's some that are stuck in like the first six albums oh no don't don't get me wrong yeah the totally you know and then there's some people like chris jericho who love the 80s you yeah, know, they're, exactly. they're, you know, that's fine, but go, go to a YouTube comment section on a Tony Martin album. It's amazing <laughs> how much people love that era of the band. Because to me, I always like, was like, this is the worst era. You know, I'm not a big fan of his, you know, and, and a lot of the stuff did grow on me as time went on, but like, I wasn't immediately drawn to that era, but there are some diehards that love that era of the band. That's crazy. <laughs> All right. Well, to each I, their own. Oh, of course. You know what? Let them be. I, you know, more power to them. Uh, that's not me. Um, my number 15 was the Headless Cross. Um, I know you and I had talked about the Headless Cross, and you talked about how that's probably the best Tony Martin album. And quite honestly, I disagree. 
Um, I, there's two that are, oh, actually, no, just one that, that I think is better. Um, and this, which is funny because you completely disagree with that assessment, but that's okay. You know, we can agree to disagree and still like each other. <laughs> I don't like you anymore. But, no, um, <laughs> uh, headless, headless cross just, uh, just didn't do it for me. You know, I mean, headless cross, I could have picked a, a song from here and there. I mean, the headless cross is an okay song, it, it, but it's, you know, slow and sludgy, uh, Devil and a Daughter was interesting, you know, but I just, I, 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 like I, that one. I yeah. couldn't, I couldn't get into it per se, you know? Um, I don't know. It, it's, it, it didn't do it for me as much as other songs uh, or other albums did. So that was my number 15. So here's where the controversy begins. Number 14 for me, actually, this is this whole thing's been controversial. Number 14 for me is Tear. Or some people know it as TYR because they don't really know what the word means. <laughs> um, so, so tear. I actually think that's better than Headless Cross. I actually like several songs from this. So, there you go. <laughs> you know, I, I thought I know people didn't like it. I know that there was a, a big, really, you know, this is this sucks part to this album. <laughs> but, you know, I thought you know. The fact that it's it's got a lot of um, Norse mythology lyrics, I thought was pretty cool. Um, I actually like several songs on here, so there you have it. I uh, like I mean, Valhalla. You know, Tyr, uh, if you don't know, is is like you said, a Norse god. Um, basically, it's there's there's North Norse mythology is very complicated. Um, there there's a group called the Aesir. And basically, they are, um, they're, I want to say, like, representatives of warriors and, you know, heroes. And so Tyr is one of those gods, you know, a god to the Vikings, etc. So, one of Odin's sons. Like Thor. Thor. Well, anyway, that, uh, for me... Uh, I thought Tear was is better than Headless Cross in my opinion. And like I said, I like the song Valhalla. Uh, what was the other song that I that I thought was pretty good? I like Heaven in Black. Um, and then there was some there was some cool riffs on here that I said, oh, you know, these these could have been better, but they were still cool riffs. You know, it's kind of like there there's they could have done better with some of the songs. They didn't, and. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, they better, but they didn't. They didn't, you know. But it to me, it was better than, than some of the other stuff that I was listening to. What's your number fourteen? So this is our second crossover, which is mine is also tear. Um, I like this album. I don't really have a lot of problems with it. I think for the most part, it's pretty entertaining. Ano Mundi, uh, the the opening track, uh, I think is really cool. Um, the, uh, technically there's a opener before that, right? Like a, uh, instrumental that leads it, into it. it. Yeah. It's built into the song. Yeah. Um, then the lawmakers, a really cool song, heaven in black. Uh, I think it's a really underrated album and that, and a big part of it is that just it, availability was not there. Uh, this one was one of the hardest ones for me to find when I originally collected all of black Sabbath's uh, discography. 
Uh, I think I ended up having to buy it on eBay at one point. Um, but I, it's one that I think deserves a second chance from a lot of people. It's it's not the best. Obviously, we've, we're both ranking it at number 14. But there's some good stuff here. Okay. Yeah, I, I think so. I, I I definitely think so. It's so it's it's so non a Black Sabbath album that it's not even listed on Spotify's discography list. Yeah, it's it's really hard to find, which is unfortunate. So but you know, now I think about it, I'm going to check here because uh, sometimes they, that happens, and they they um, for some reason it gets on a different list and it doesn't. Like no. they don't have it listed in the correct. Yeah, that yeah. I've seen that many times. And no, it, that's not the case. It's just not there. <laughs> it's so funny. I because I use YouTube Music, and there's so many things that are are hidden within their their catalog that you have to find. Like you wouldn't know they were there, even if you type in the name of it. It takes a little bit of searching. So uh, I don't think that's the case with this one at all. Um, it may be locked up due to whoever owns the album, but yeah. Uh, so moving on to my number 13, um, I've got born again. Um, I do like this album. Don't get me wrong. It's another kind of oddity in their catalog because they brought in Ian Gillen, um, after some drunken negotiations and no, neither party really was happy with it. They did a full tour. As soon as the tour was done, and pieced out uh but they did make some great songs here trashed is awesome zero the hero to me is an iconic track uh, i remember the first time i heard it was on a a greatest hits collection i think it was the best of black sabbath um and i was like ozzy sounds weird like what <laughs> what is this you know but it wasn't ozzy obviously uh but i was also like a seven-year-old kid um so I do like Hotline, Digital Bitch, but they're, they're, they're so like oddities in this catalog. It's hard for me to really put it above other stuff that I usually end up going back to listen to more than Born Again. Yeah, I, I, I can see that point. But for me, Born Again is a little bit higher. Um, so for me, number 13 is Seventh Star. Uh, and so here, here's what I have to say about seven star. It's got some good songs on it. Um, they're not the best songs in a black Sabbath mode kind of album. Mm -hmm. So, yes. Yeah, so this was supposed to be Tony's, uh, Tony's solo album. And basically what he did was put together a, uh, deep purple slash rainbow slash white snake slash every hard rock blues band that came out of England in the, in the late seventies and eighties. And that's what this album is. This is, this is so far not a black Sabbath album. And that's because we know that Tony had, was supposed to put out a solo album, but they forced him to put, put it under, uh, the black Sabbath name. Um, but he, you know, these songs are not bad if they're standalone something else other than black Sabbath, but they they're under the black Sabbath moniker. So you kind of have to accept that. Yeah, it is what it is. I mean, I've heard countless stories about bands that are forced to put out. I mean, I was just watching, uh, the documentary, um, 
you know, episode from Metal School. It's a great uh, YouTube channel if you haven't checked them out. Um, but the uh, Candlemas, Candlemas was forced to release, I think, like two uh, two times uh, albums as Candlemas, even though it was originally supposed to be uh, solo projects from their their bass guitarist. So, you know, it's it, we've seen this from bands time and time again where. Yeah, uh, you know they're forced to to use the the moniker, um, but that doesn't take anything away from the album itself. Like it, it is still a really good album. Um, I ended up picking up uh, Tony Iommi's. Uh, I guess that he released it under Iommi, um, but that he did two albums, um, fused with Glenn Hughes, and then he did a. Uh, I guess it was it was recording sessions that they ended up releasing called the DEP sessions. Um, you can find both of those; they they should be available. But if you do end up liking Seventh Star, I would also check those out as well. Yeah, uh, I actually have Iomi that first one. I'm looking at the DEP session. No, no, the other one, Fuse. Yeah, Fuse came actually after, so that I think that was the last one they did together. All right, so. I'm going to look that up, but the the thing about Seven Star, it, it, what what I don't like, and this is the thing that that pisses me off about record labels, is a record label should should have an understanding and listen to the music and say, well, this doesn't sound anything like Black Sabbath. This sounds like White Snake, or this sounds like Deep Purple, or this sounds like Rainbow, because that's exactly what it sounded like. You're you're under the supposition that record labels have integrity. Well, <laughs> no, I'm under the supposition that there's a guy that's listening to it and says, "Well, fuck, this is not Black Sabbath. We can't put this out. This is not what you know what what fans are expecting. It's it's not about integrity. It's about fucking record sales, and that's what they should be about, right? Well, that's what they were trying to do by using the Black Sabbath name. They were hoping that people like like if you threw Metallica, if it was if it just said Metallica, right, and it was just Kirk. You know, and people, a lot, there's still a lot of people that are not diehard fans that would not know. They would go like, oh, shit, a new Metallica album. And then they listen to it. They'd be like, this sounds weird. This <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I get that. I don't know. It's just, it's just so, I mean, it's proven. It's been proven. Especially then. Now it might be harder in the internet. Oh, nowadays. But like, no. think about this. This was what, 19. This is 80. Six? Oh, it's uh, I guess. 86. Yeah, January 86. I nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it's it's it just to me, you know, record companies are supposed to look out for themselves. You know, they, they're, they're only about the dollar. And yeah, you're using the Black Sabbath name. There's only one original member of Black Sabbath left. Yeah, great. Use the name all you want. Put out a greatest hits. Do something else. Put out a live album. But keep in mind, this was also Warner Brothers. Everything up to that point, I believe, was on Vertigo. So Warner Brothers going, oh, shit, let's release a Black Sabbath. Album. Well, Warner Vertigo was in Europe and Warner Brothers was, was the United States. So sometimes they work with each other. Sometimes they don't. Um, yeah, no, it was just messed up. Yeah. All right. So, okay, Seventh Star was mine. So then my next one, number 12 for me, is going to be Technical Ecstasy. And we kind of already discussed it. You know, it was just one of these things. It was a throwback 
kind of album. They were trying to reinvigorate their career. Um, yes, they they had not gone anywhere. They had released Sabotage the year before, but obviously there was all sorts of influences, outside influences that were that were uh, destroying the band from the inside. And Technical Ecstasy is just a, a mindless, uh, to me, exercise in trying to be Black Sabbath. They had a core part of it. The sound was there, but you know, the, some of the riffs were there. But I think overall, the, the, the songwriting itself was a little disjointed, and it didn't work. You know, that's that's my thing. I mean, if I wanted to be, if I wanted to listen to the Beatles. And I would pick up a Beatles album. I don't have to hear Bill Ward, who's never sang a song for Black Sabbath before, all of a sudden decide he wants to sing, you know, It's All Right. You know, no, I don't need it. You know what? You do that on a side project. That's great. But this is Black Sabbath, baby. This is 1976. I don't need to hear something that sounds like it came out in 1966. Although much better than Never Say That, because Never Say That was just even worse. so but you disagreed you had it much lower but that's that's my opinion on it what do you have go on sorry so so part of what was you know problematic about uh technical ecstasy is the band was kind of exhausted following like they had a bunch of legal battles you know uh with sabotage there was a bunch of stuff going on. Uh, I guess we could get into a little more detail when sabotage comes around, but um, you know they were they were not in a good state of mind, and they were having already issues with with Ozzy Osbourne. So the band was putting out an album when they were not a united front, when they were having issues with each other, and that's never a good state to be in, unless you're Fleetwood Mac. So, you know, it's, it, it, it didn't necessarily work. And, uh, there's a reason why the album is what it is. <laughs> exactly. Um, so what is your number 12? Uh, my number 12 is headless cross. Um, I do really like this album. Um, I think it's got some great songs on it, like headless cross and devil and the daughter, uh, kill in the spirit world. I think there's a couple other Tony Martin albums that I, I like better, but this is one that I, I think was a kind of a good starting point for, for that, uh, you know, that era of the band. Obviously I technically the, the starting point is eternal idol. Um, but so those songs weren't written for Tony Martin. Those songs, as we know, were written for Ray Gillen and there is a, a edition of the album that's come out since, that has the demos with Ray Gillen. Um, so they sound so much better. <laughs> okay. No, you like it better I, than the Tony. Martin? I listened, I listened to the Ray Gillen version and there's, there's a, there's a charisma that his voice has that it takes those songs to a different level. It's not a, it, it, it's not a great album overall, but and, you know, we're going back and talking about an album that we've already mentioned, but it's not a great well, album. Well, I'm going to get to more of it later. Right. So It's not a great album overall, but Ray Gillen's version of the album, is, to me, is much better. But unfortunately, they, they had their issues with Ray. 
you know, but man, I, just the, the way he sang them. I mean, Tony couldn't touch Ray Gillen with a 10 foot pole when it came to style of vocals and, and, and being a, a singer. Ray's an amazing singer. So I'm, I'm going to keep my, my opinion on that for now. Um, but uh, I will say, um, well, let's just say um, that demo is definitely worth listening to. If you're going to pick up any version of the album, make sure to pick up the deluxe version that has two discs and has both versions of that album. Um, but back to Headless Cross, um, again, this is kind of a starting point for this era of the band in a way, because this is the first one that Tony Martin wrote, you know, the lyrics for, etc. I think he reworked some of the lyrics on Eternal Idol. Um, but, uh, I think Headless Cross is really good. So, um, but the next one I'm going to mention, I think is just a little better and maybe it's just my, my, you know, personal opinion on there, but, um, my number 11 is cross purposes. Um, so I, I think you had this 18. Um, but I, man, I really like the song Eyewitness. Um, like that one really caught my attention right off the bat. Uh, I think some of the lyrics are a little cheesy, but also what's not cheesy about the eighties and metal and early nineties and metal, you know, like I'm fine with that. Um, cross of thorns is a pretty heavy song. I really like that one back to Eden. I like a lot. Uh, Hand that rocks the cradle. Um, so it just it, there's just a couple more songs that I I think uh, are a little bit stronger than Headless Cross, and I I tend to like it more. I think that's probably not going to be the overwhelming opinion, but um, I think Cross Purposes just had a little bit more of an effect on me. I I could totally understand that. I mean, it, it's. It's just to me, there are some good riffs on it. Again, same thing. It's just really good riffs, but the songs weren't that good. You know, it's like you can have a, a million riffs as proven by, you know, Metallica doing certain songs. But if if they don't go well together and they don't play well with the lyrics and you don't construct the song properly, you don't go anywhere with the song. So I, I think in the latter half of the album, that's definitely the case. I think it's stronger in the first half, but. Um, you know, I've, I've also been listening to this album since it came out. Right. You know, there's, there's certain things. I mean, you, you grow up with certain things that at the time you're like, oh, this is pretty cool because, and I'm not trying to say this is your case. And, you know, like for me, all I knew from 1977 to 1980 was kiss. That's it. But yeah. So people would sit, you know, like they would see me sitting on the, on the, the, the front of my house in the porch and listening to music. And I'm listening to my own kiss tapes and they were like, Hey man, you got any priest? No. And they didn't ask for me because maybe didn't exist at the time. So I'm trying to think who else some, some people would ask for Sabbath. Um, and I'm like, you got the star Wars. <laughs> That's not that heavy. Um, so, you know, all I knew was kiss until, you know, things changed in, in 1980. But the same thing for you, you, you knew, you knew you were, you were into, you had basically dove into the black Sabbath. So you were going to like just about anything that, that Sabbath put out. So as you not forbidden, <laughs> you, you still had a few years to go on this one. Uh, actually, no, it was one year next the next year. Um, 
but it, it, my, my point being is when you when you uh, listen to these albums over and over again, you never forget them. No matter how, you know, you, you heard them when you were young, you will never forget the album and it will always have a place in your heart. So that's just the kind of uh, the impact that that has at that age. And so it, it won't ever change. Like, that will always rank high for you because you, of at the time period at which you absorbed it. Yeah, to some degree, that's going to be true. I and and I th- I still think the riffs are pretty good. So, um, yeah, to each their own again. Right. All right. So for me, number eleven is thirteen. Um. Yeah. Don't ask me how that works. Okay. <laughs> eleven is thirteen. Um. I had to put it, I felt that I had to put it where I put it because I felt no matter what, the fact that it was an Ozzy album still was better than some of the other albums like that came out, you know, before mm. it. Um, I like Live Forever. God is Dead is an okay song. Um, you know, the, what I noticed, I, I actually listened to it again today when I was at work. Um, what I did notice about the the album is, like you said earlier, the doom and gloom. You know, it starts off with, is this the end or is this the beginning or, or the beginning of the end? It's, dude, you, we all know this is the last thing you guys are going to put out. So why did you have to sit there and say, this is probably going to be the last thing we put out? You know, that that's their version of that question. It doesn't make any sense. It was very, you know, the, you you were right. Ozzy sounds tired. He's just kind of like going through the motions. You know, they, they've come out and said they did not like how Rick Rubin was handling the production and not just because Rick Rubin sits there and lays down on the couch all the time. It's just what he was trying to get them to do was not who they were or who they are. That's who they were in 1970. It's not who they are at the time in 20, what that album came out in 2013. So at 10 years ago already. Wow. So they had, you know, Tony, Ozzy, geezer had all moved way past where they used to be. Um, so they didn't really in, enjoy the process of making that album. And it shows, it, it shows up in the, the, the performance, you know, all I can say, yeah. the performance, Brad Wilk had a badass drumming performance. I'll tell you that. <laughs> That's about it. And he's not even a member of the band. Exactly. So. All right. So we're getting into the top 10 now. Uh, so 10 for me, dehumanizer. That is the return of Ronnie James Dio. This is his second stint with the band. Um, album came out in 1992. Um, big hit on that one was the um song time machine that was part of the wayne's world soundtrack there's two different versions the the u.s version of this album actually includes both versions so the the wayne's world version is a bonus track um i like uh tv crimes i like computer god um it's there's there's that heaviness that dio brought to it but at the same time, there was a little bit of that speed that he brought with you know songs like TV Crimes and Time Machine. So this is also my number 10. <gasps> All right. So it's our third crossover. Um, yeah, this is a super heavy album. Uh, there's a lot to like about it. There's a lot of things I think people don't like about it. But for me, um, I remember when this came out, um, very happy that, that uh, you know, Dio being in the band. <laughs> you know what? I... I would have heard 
obviously for me, I would have heard uh, the Wayne's World soundtrack first because I owned it first. So um, the Time Machine version on there, I, I like a lot, lot better. Um, I guess I'm glad it's available on the, the US release being a bonus track because I think it's a superior cut of it. However, the version that's on the main album fits more in line with the production of the main album. Um, TV Crimes, like you said, awesome song. Um, Master of Insanity, uh, that's a super heavy song, really cool. Um, After All the Dead, that one's great. Computer God's a great opener. Um, yeah, I, I, I like it a lot. And it's a, it's a reunion of the Mob Rules era, which I think a lot of people really love. Uh, so... I I think um, if it's it, this was a tough one because I guess I thought it was going to end up a little higher because I, of the impact it had on me and it being a Dio album, but you know it sits number ten. <laughs> it sits in number ten is right, and it, you know it's not that it's a bad album. There are other good albums that are better than this one yeah all right so what do you have for number nine my number nine is going to piss off some people um and i'm okay with that um my number nine is mob rules um i always thought it would end up higher than it did but i really thought about this and i put a lot of work into choosing this list um turn up the night amazing song love it great opener the mob rules one of the best sabbath songs there ever was in my opinion um but for me those are the two songs on the album that i really like uh i think voodoo is really good it's it's a fun song uh Sidon of the southern cross you know it's one that i think is is a quality song but it's there's something about it that's always just a little too slow for me and i end up like kind of getting bored with it um but you know like country girl uh what else is on the album Slip, even slipping away tr- is a good song eh, it's all right it, it's eh. <laughs> over and over is boring falling off the edge of the world is kind of boring to me you know e5150 is not bad but it's a short instrumental you know, kind of before you know mob rules but it's like for me, it's that first half of the album, and then the second half of the album is like I've I've listened to it far less, and it's not because I haven't given it a chance. I I always do, but I just I trail off, and I just I you know on the merit of the song Mob Rules, like I feel like it should be higher, but there's better stuff above it to me. And that's that's the funny thing, you know, you you sit there and say, oh, you know, it should be higher, you know, and you start thinking about it, and like. It can't be because there's this album, there's this album, there's, seven, there's all these other albums yeah. that are ahead of it, you know, and that's kind of like the the bottom ten. Quite honestly, between you and I, could have put a, they could have put them in any order, and it would they would still be correct, you know. It's when you get to the top ten, you start saying, "Well, is this one better than this one? Is this one better than that one?" You know, this one has this many yeah. songs. This one's got this good riff in it, you know, and it's a little bit more selective. Um. Yeah. So it's that's uh, it's definitely. I don't think it's controversial because you, when you start thinking about the other albums that we still have to name, you know that there it, it kind of makes sense. For me, my number nine um, 
was your number 13, Born Again. Um, when I think about Born Again and the fact that, yeah, I like the song Trashed. I like the song Digital Bitch. Zero to Hero is pretty cool. Um, you got three songs for me that were pretty, pretty decent songs. I mean, I really like Trashed. You know, um, that was the first song I heard when this album came out. Um, you know, digital bitch. I was like, oh, this is a super cool song. And they say the word bitch in it, <laughs> you know. Um, and you know, zero to hero, disturbing the priest is disturbing, you know, it's just, just this <laughs> slow, plotty song. Um, you know, and to me, I, I what I don't like about the album though is is it's these two instrumentals in the first five songs. It's like really, you know, like if you think about it, the this this the, the overall length of the album is not very long. And then you're going to throw uh, basically two and a half minutes worth of instrumentals to break up side one. Well, the dark is is immediately leading into Zero the Hero. It's it's basically part of Zero the Hero. But it did what you like, where it separates them into two different tracks. Yeah, that, so you have to at least give it that. I, <laughs> I give it that. That's great. You know, but for a song that's seven minutes long. The extra 40 seconds, they don't give a shit. They could have just fucking just added. They, look, leave the dark on the first half of the album, throw Stonehenge towards the end of the second half. Right. And it would probably worked better. But putting it as the second track following Trashed, kind of weird. Yeah, I, I think if they if they had put, I mean, I, I guess they put Digital Bitch so that they can open up side two, mm-hmm. you know. But in reality... It, it, you're talking about it was going to be hard to put in based on the song lengths and, and what they were trying, you know, what records tried to do. They tried to split the times, you know, evenly, you know, it is what it is. I think, I think we're just lucky this album even exists because you know the circumstances are, are pretty crazy. Like, they got drunk. They're like, "Yeah, let's do an album together." <laughs> yeah, you know. And then, you know, to, uh, Ian's manager's like, "Hey, the next time you join a band, can you kind of give me a heads up?" <laughs> <laughs> the next day, they were full of regret. Oh so, yeah. Uh, you know, it is what it is. All right. So number eight You're for cool. me is your number nine, Mob Rules. Uh, there's no, there's no place else to put it. It's got to be in that spot because of, of the other stuff ahead of it. Um, I agree with you to a degree about the songs on Mob Rules. I did like slipping away a little bit more than you did. Um, I love Mob Rules. I love Turn Up the Night. Um, Sign of the Southern Cross. I've I've grown to like that song. The problem with that song is is it's too long. It is one. It just yeah. drones on, and you know the intro is really long. It, it's you know it's like Iron Maiden esque. You know you got eleven minutes, and we're, five minutes is, is really really where the, the 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 meat of the song is at. So, um, that's where I put it. That's why I put it in 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 that spot because there's seven other albums that to me are better. So, but it is a it is a very good Ronnie James Dio Black Sabbath album. Yeah, it's for me. Part like something about it reminds me of my feelings about uh long live rock and roll as well. Um, long live rock and roll being the third album from, from rainbow. There's, there's a couple songs on there. I really like, and then I think about it, like the rest of the album, I kind of don't feel as strong about, you know, whereas with heaven and hell and say rising, you know, comparatively, I think they're amazing albums. So 
there's there's something about it like they Dio always follows up an amazing album with something that's kind of lackluster for some reason it's not always the case and you know his solo career was a bit better um but yeah i I mean i wouldn't have called i wouldn't call this a lackluster album you know like like if they would have come up with dehumanizer after heaven and hell i could see that but this is pretty good i mean yeah it's and mob rules is such a good song it is, I know, and just on the merit of, like I said, on the merit of that song alone, I feel like it should be higher, and I feel like I'm being blasphemous, but at the same time, think about the albums that we're about to talk exactly. about. Exactly. All right, so what's your number eight song? Uh, my Well, my number eight album. Oh, I, that's right. I'm sorry. Number eight <laughs> album. Is uh, volume four. Um, it's It's still an amazing album. Uh, changes is a great song super not snow blind i love them but there there's something about volume four that i think is a little bit weaker than than some of the other albums and for me it's like there there's fx instrumental there's the laguna sunrise instrumental they're good saint vita's dance is is not bad but there's a lot of like again this is kind of where they're starting to get a little bit um experimental hippie stuff again right like it, it's not like it just popped up on on uh or say die like they never got rid of it there there's always that kind of stuff um you know one of their most famous songs which we will get to at you know in the relatively near future um a planet caravan um is is very hippie you know, so it's not like it ever went away. It's just this has a little bit more of it than I like on some of the other albums, I would say. So your number eight, volume four, my number seven is volume four. And I so I'm 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 jumping the gun here because we're talking about volume four. It's so, about the same album. Right. So I what I like about this album is this album can meet to me is almost like it's under the radar as far as really good black Sabbath songs. While at the same time, it's very popular because they're good black Sabbath songs in there. A great song. Right. Yeah. You know, wheels of confusion, tomorrow's dream changes. Super not side one is really, really good. Right. But it's not their like top 10 songs. You know, that's the funny thing. It's really good side one, you know, and then add, Snowblind on the backside, you know, you know, side two, song six. It's really, really good. So, but for some reason, other albums are more famous, more popular, better songs in some cases, but it's so hard to beat that group of songs together. You know, like it's really good group of songs. Um, and yes, I agree with you. Yeah, the 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 whole thing about the, the 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 their old school style of writing the 60s stuff never went away but it's different with this because they oh black sabbath like for instance they go from you know wheels of confusion tomorrow's dream they go to changes that's something that's happened on every ozzy album that kind of i don't want to call it a conflict they, that kind of contrast excuse me mm-hmm. right where, the variety exactly and there's nothing wrong with that at all 
Okay, that's they established that pattern, so it's it's fine to stay with that pattern. But that you can't sit there and say, oh, changes or even um, Planet Caravan are as flower power as the Beatles song that fucking Bill Ward sang. Okay, <laughs> you know, it's like it, that's a completely different song. These songs, you, you kind of almost expect it because now you're four albums into Black Sabbath and you're like, oh, this is this is the kind of thing that they do. So you're like, okay, I get it. This is this is Black Sabbath. When they did it on Technical Ecstasy and, and Never Say Die, it was not the same vibe at all. So um, that's why I put this one at number seven for me. So what's your number seven song uh, album? My number seven is going to get me tarred and feathered. Um <laughs> So my number seven is Eternal Idol. Um, I, I I know there's a big fan base for this album. It was one that it took me a while to really get into uh, being, you know, the first Tony Martin album. And it was so jarring to me. Like his voice uh, really took a long time for me to, to appreciate. Um, but I really like a lot of the songs on here. The Shining, Hard Life to Love, Glory Ride uh born to lose lost forever and then i even appreciated the album even more once i finally heard the ray gillen version of it uh it was available as a bootleg for a long time um and then officially released later on with better quality and what i like about it is there is a there's a lot of passion in the writing and i think tony was inspired when he wrote a lot of the the riffs on here uh, there's, there's some amazing guitar work and I think the band f- feels very cohesive. And unfortunately, Ray was having some trouble with learning the lyrics of the song. Um, it just wasn't meshing and you can tell that the songs were written for him, like his style. And so it's, it's unfortunate that there's this kind of disconnect there in in some element but i think tony came in and he did a really good job like tony martin that is and uh for me this is an album that i end up listening to some of the songs on on a you know semi-regular basis i feel like it's got some bluesy elements that like say you know ray gillen would later do with badlands and so I think there is some cool stuff there that that is probably a bit overlooked, and um, I just I like this album, so I had to put it up a bit higher. And I know a lot of people aren't going to agree with me, but you gotta go be honest about what you appreciate. Like if you are a fan of something, don't ever be afraid to say it. Just remember when you walk in after I get to work tomorrow. You might, you might mm. want to watch out. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, look, you, you like what you like and you know, no one's going to, uh, well, maybe I will. Um, no one's going to stop you from liking it like that. Um, but you're wrong. You know, it's just bottom line is, you know, Hey, you put 13 at number 11. So 13 was still <laughs> an eternal idol. <laughs> I, I mean, I get it. You know, every hard history. Well, if 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 eternal to me, if Eternal Idol would have come out with Ray Gillins on on vocals, it's yeah. a different album. You know, I mean, you may disagree with me, but the, the, to me, like I, I mentioned it to you before, Tony Martin. Well, I think Ray did a better job. It's just 
it it wasn't working. No, of course not. And that's just the reality of the situation. Yeah. So I'm glad that there's that alternate version. And like I said, I I started to appreciate the album more because I heard the version with Ray Gillen on vocals. I mean, Ray Gillen's version to me is better. He he, I, he has a style on his voice. There's just a, a like I said, a charisma that just oozes from his voice that you know some of those same lyrics or some of the same choruses just sound better coming out of his mouth. I mentioned to you prior to 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 recording today that Tony Martin has this Dio esque sound quality to his voice, not the same. Mm-hmm. You know, but there is a that there's a there's a roughness that is more similar to to Dio uh, than not. Where and Ray Gillen for his his voice and his pitch is a little closer, and it, um, there's no comparison. A little closer in pitch to Ozzy, and I think that's where there was some comfortability for Tony. And you know, in terms of music, and then obviously it was Bob Daisley and and Jeff Nichols who wrote the lyrics. Um, for for Ray Gillen, so you know and Bob Daisley being someone who's worked with Ozzy, so it's you know there's that connection there. Um, not to, yeah. and like I said, not to say that Ray Gillen is anything close to Ozzy in terms of vocalist, because quite honestly, I think Ray's a better singer than Ozzy. Ozzy is really Cal who's getting tired. No, because there's a difference. Yeah, Ozzy, Ozzy's Ozzy. You know, he has his very very unique style. That it is extremely hard to duplicate and turn and get and come across as genuine. Where the, yeah. the, as a as a little as a legit singer, I think Ray's a better singer. Is you know there's a difference. Yeah, you know, I, I don't know how how to really put it in any any other way than that. So, um, so we did seven. We did Eternal Idol Volume Four. Okay, so number six. So we'll go. Back to me again. Um, my number six is Sabbath, Bloody Sabbath. Um, it, we're, we're getting to that point where we're getting to that narrow scope of albums of influence from this band. And Sabbath, Bloody Sabbath, the song, amazing song. Okay. Uh, Sabracadabra, very interesting song. <laughs> Say it that way. I really like, I've grown to like killing yourself to live a lot more in recent years, especially after hearing Chris Cornell sing it. Um, really, really cool uh, version that he does. Um, fluff I could have dealt without, quite honestly. <laughs> it's, it's, it's just a transition. It's, exactly and that. That. it's fluff. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And that goes along with the planet caravans and the changes. That is that. We've they've established that you know, so that's okay you know, um, and I put this down to to the point where it's at number six because the other classic albums to me are better than this one. I gotcha. Um, so my number six is Sabotage. Um, Sabotage has some awesome stuff. Hole in the sky. Symptom of the universe. That riff on Symptom of the Universe alone puts this as a top ten album. Um, the writ, "Am I Going Insane?" Or a lot of people just know it as "Am I Going Insane?" I think that was the name of the radio edit. Um, that is such a cool song. Um, but some of the other stuff in between, I don't like as much. Um, I still like the whole album. To me, this is a back to front album. I'm, I'm so like I, I feel strongly that the first six 
Black Sabbath albums are all back to front. Um, but they're front to back. I don't want to sing back to front. You listen to it backwards for some reason. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you get messages. Uh, so let me say that again. Um, don't delete this, but uh, they're front to back albums. And, uh, but regardless, um, I, I, I really do feel that way about the first six albums. But there's there's some that I feel like have more songs that I will consistently just go out of my way to listen to. Now, there are many times where I'll just put on all six albums back to back to back. And they're not very long, so it's not hard to get through. Um, but this uh, Sabotage is amazing. It's just of the you know first sixth i guess it's my fifth favorite yeah no uh no, my number no, it's your sixth favorite no because number or volume four is my sixth oh, favorite okay. of the original oh that's right because i there's an album in there that's not the sixth original i get it <laughs> yeah. um so then uh my number five is master of reality um sweet leaf is just an iconic track after forever is so good into the void uh this this album has my favorite black sabbath song period which is children of the grave um embryo and orchid i i actually really like those transitions uh instrumentals um but uh again that just speaks to the merit of the albums that we're going to talk about next um I, I love this album so it's hard for me to say it's number five so that's so okay. So my number five is sabotage. Okay, okay. So you, you just mentioned sabotage and, and obviously I have yet to mention master of reality. So it's, it's a little bit higher on my list. Okay. And looking at the, the scope of Sabbath, bloody Sabbath for me, you know, is sabotage better? Uh, in my opinion, it is because of the songs that it has because of hole in the sky because of symptom of the universe, you know, because even though it's kind of, it, it, there's a, there's a goofiness to it, but am I going insane is, is, is a good song. You know? Right? Yeah. So, you know, there, there's that group of songs and I'm like, okay, so is that group of songs better than the songs on Sabbath, bloody Sabbath to me the, there's the strength of Sabbath, bloody Sabbath and Sabbath cadaver. But I felt that, the group of songs that was on sabotage were just a little bit better than Sabbath bloody Sabbath. That's why I came up with that being my number five album. So you said master of reality. I say sabotage All right now. I'm going to go to my number four and here there are going to be some people like you said, that are going to get all bent out of shape. How could that possibly be? How could, how could Kenneth Dean, the Dean of metal put, Black Sabbath at number four is real easy. There's three better albums than Black Sabbath's first album. Just put it that way. Okay. <laughs> Influential. Absolutely. Okay. Really good. So Black Sabbath. The album has my favorite Black Sabbath song on it. Okay. It has the wizard. Okay. It has NIB. It has the, the European version has evil woman on it, which was a cover song, but the rest of the album, and I'm including Black Sabbath, don't do it for me. So that's why, you know, compared to the other three that I have ahead of it, that's why I have Black Sabbath number four. Well, 
this is our fourth crossover. So um, I agree with you. I think Black Sabbath is number four. Um, I do like the title track. I know you don't. Um, the Wizard is a great track. Um, NIB, or basically, which leads into NIB. Um, that's an awesome bass solo. And then it goes into NIV, which is just an amazing riff. Um, one of those iconic tracks. I remember the first time I heard it, I was like, what, what am I listening to? This is, this is so dark. This is crazy, you know? And I just loved it. Um, Wicked World is another good one on there. And uh, the, I guess a lot of people would probably know it as a bonus track, um, unless you're in Europe, where uh, Evil Woman, Don't You Play Your Games With Me, uh, it's a cover, but it's on there, and it's a great song. So, um, I'm a big fan of this album, but I do like three other albums more. Aha! Uh, so, my number three, I think you had as number six, and that was Bl- Sabbath, Bloody Sabbath. Um, now, this is the first Aussie album that I owned, and um, I really love this album. It, again, this is a front-to-back album for me. Uh, Sabbath, Bloody Sabbath, National Acrobat, uh, Cadabra, Killing Yourself to Live, and Spiral Architect, I absolutely love. Everything in between, it's good and it fits on the album. Even Fluff, I, I do like as kind of a transition piece. And um, to me, like the merit of the songs, um, put it a little bit above others. And I like the kind of experimentation they did like the there there is some very different stuff some kind of jazzy and bluesy stuff on here that they didn't do on other albums too so that kind of sets it apart for me uh so it's a little bit of a step above but again it's to some degree negligible i mean all these albums are amazing at this point so for my uh number three I had already said Black Sabbath was six. Well, my number three is Master of Reality. For the very same reasons that you said it was number five for you. It's got really good songs. To me, that the group of songs to me is better than some of the other ones that we've mentioned previously. Uh, Sweet Leaf, awesome song. After Forever. I had never heard that song until I heard biohazard do their version on the the um uh nativity in black uh cover albums for that they did for sony music and then i listened to the black sabbath version and it's virtually identical until biohazard starts rapping it's so i mean like i almost think musically and sonically they're virtually identical i could be absolutely wrong because i've never heard them back to back but when i listen to one song over the other, I, you know, I always, it's always a, a, a long period of time in between. It sounds very reminiscent to each other. So I love the black Sabbath version now a lot more than I used to, or not, not that I used to, I'd never heard it before, you know, up until the mid nineties. Um, Chins of the grave, excellent song, you know, Lord of this world into the void. I mean, to me, it's, you know, you got eight songs and we're looking at six or five that are pretty solid, you know, and, and the other ones are no, no, uh, nothing to sneeze at either. Even the instrumentals are interesting. So that was my number three. All right. So what's your number two? My number two, 
My number two is Heaven and Hell. Uh, the first Ronnie James Dio album. For me, this album is a front to back, just like you said, uh, for some of the other albums. Uh, side A, you know, and we obviously we say side A because of cassettes, because of vinyl and stuff like that. Side A is hard to compete against those first four songs. Neon Knights, Children of the Sea, Lady Evil, Heaven and Hell. Then you flip it over and you got Wishing Well and Die Young. It's, it just continues. This is a really, really, really good album. Um, I'm not big on Walk Away, but Lonely is the Word is a pretty cool song. You know, so still, if I if I'm if I'm gonna listen to this album, I'm not skipping Walk Away. You know, so these these eight songs are outstanding. So this is my number two album. It's also my number two. Uh, Neon Knights, amazing opener. Children of the Sea, iconic. That's the first one that uh, Black Sabbath wrote with Ronnie James Dio. Um, Lady Evil, I think is great. Uh, Heaven and Hell, just absolutely iconic song. Wishing Well was one of those that uh, it really just kind of captivated me for a while. Like the the guitar work on there alone is just amazing. Die Young is one of those those songs that I it just comes into my head every once in a while and just stays there. Like I will just find myself humming it every once in a while. Um, Walk Away I think is probably the weakest song on the album. Lonely is the word is. Um, you know, it's not bad. So for the most part, yes, this is a front to back album. Um, but like six or track six, die young, it could have ended on and been like perfect, you know, but regardless, uh, I love this album and it is by far one of my favorite Ronnie James Dio albums. Like even, you know, anything he, he did otherwise, this is, up there for me possibly my favorite album he ever ever did well that leaves us with number one and obviously it's a consensus we've matched up again with paranoid with paranoid yes uh you know for me paranoid uh, it's there's no question this is and we talked about it in the last episode this is a career defining album for black sabbath um they changed considerably but yet stayed the same kind of thing it's just that's that weird thing they established their heaviness on this album they had it with they had it with the wizard you know obviously the doomy black sabbath you know nib but war pigs opens this album and it doesn't relent from that point you know paranoid yes it slows down with planet caravan but damn it picks up again with iron man and even iron man as slow as it is speeds up at the end then Electric Funeral, Hand of Doom. I mean, shit, Rat Salad's an instrumental. That's probably the, the weakest song in the album. But it's still really good. Yeah, exactly. And then Fairies Wear Boots. Come on. This album's, for Black Sabbath, is virtually perfect. You know, Rat Salad is one of those, like, when I think about metal instrumentals, I don't think about it because I don't think of it as a metal instrumental. You know, it's, it's a rock, jazzy song, right? Mm -hmm. But it's so good. It, it is really good. And like every song on here from beginning to end is a banger, like period, all eight tracks. And there's some that have become so just, just, um, and I hate to use the word again, but iconic, like Iron Man. I mean, who does not know Iron Man paranoid that it, that riff, you know, the whole song is basically one riff, but it's such a good one. It doesn't matter. Um, war pigs just 
absolutely amazing song. I, I, I think that's a generational song. It will never get old. War Pig, um, War Pigs has crossed over to the pop lexicon. Mm-hmm. It, it, the average person now knows War Pigs probably more so than than Paranoid. Not not more so than Iron Man because Iron Man just kind of that that broke into the the, the pop lexicon a long time ago. But War Pigs mm-hmm. more recently it is crossed over and so many people know it. And then there's been, there was a, I can't remember who it was. I saw the other day, some rap artist did a version of this, of, of war pigs killer version. And I'm like, wow, this is really good. He didn't rap it. He actually, you know, because the, the lyrics lend itself to that. It was perfect for him. So. I mean, I mean, Tesla's done cover. Obviously Zach Wilde's done his cover. Faith no more cake. Did a cover Sacred Reich, um, T Pain, did one. Like if you like, oh, I think that's the one. Rap. I did that. I think that's that yeah. The, I think that's the one that, that was T Pain. Yeah, yeah. There's so many covers of it because it's it is such amazing, like just an amazing song. Um, I mean, even the stuff that like think about Electric Funeral and the the influence that would have on. Uh, you know, Kirk Hammett with his Wawa. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm just, I'm, I'm kidding, but, um, <laughs> but no, just the, the techniques that were established here were the, were the archetype of what really would become metal. Like I think black Sabbath is where everything started, obviously, but it was still at that point, you know, they, they were still a sixties band to some degree. And then this hits, and it's just the evolution that I think metal bands would go, this is something I want to do. Or not bands, but musicians, I would say. And so many people cite this as a major influence on them, and it's totally understandable. Like, there's a lot of stuff on Heaven and Hell I like better than this album. But I can't say that there is a more perfect Black Sabbath album than Paranoid. Yeah, absolutely correct. I mean, that, that's what I said before. You know, you you reemphasized everything. It's is exactly right. What you're what you're saying there. It's 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 hard to to really say anything else is better than this because, I mean, maybe a greatest hits. <laughs> you know, we sold our souls to rock and roll. Their greatest hits album in the seventies is probably better. You know, because it's a greatest hits album. But as as a as a brand new album, it's way hard to compete with this one. And, yeah. and to think it only came out, you know, when you, for the most part, a few months later. You know, I mean, it came out in sept uh, in September of nineteen seventy, and the first album came out in February. Think about it, seven months. That's crazy. Yeah. I mean that that's that's quicker. That's a quicker turnaround than than Kiss was knocking out in the in those the first four years, you know. But oh yeah, the pace at which they were releasing albums. I mean, we talk about this all the time with bands at that time period, but the pace at which they were they were putting out these absolute classics. I mean, six albums in a row mm-hmm. is incredible, and all of them are classics. They really are. Yes, absolutely. I mean, you know. Every album is going to go through a lull where, you know, even the classic ones 
have something that people don't like or or even the band might not like, you know. But they're classics for a reason because for the most part, beginning to end, they're going to entertain the fan of that band for that period of time. So it's, they are, they are classics. And you know what? Like I said, there was people, technical ecstasy didn't break the string. They kept going. You know, it was just all of a sudden like, whoa, you know, (laughs) they, they were crashing and you could see that they were slowly crashing into the wall, you know? And that technical ecstasy was the kind of, uh, you know, the writing on the wall kind of thing is, wait, wait a second, we need to reevaluate. And there was a lot of reevaluating that went on, but. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, that's our Black Sabbath worst to first uh, from both myself and Chris. So now that brings us to another long title for a big four. This is the big four black Sabbath, non Aussie slash Dio songs. (laughs) I've made you go first last week. So uh, I think, right. You're going to go first this time because I started the the main list. Okay. I, and I, yeah, I, I'm still deciding between two songs. (laughs) So go ahead. All right. Well, I, I got to say this, and, and because we were talking about it, this is the only reason I know we don't typically do this, but I have to mention a fifth song. So this is my honorable mention in for the kill from seventh star, um, seventh star. Like I, like I've re- referenced several times could have easily have been a white snake or a rainbow album, specifically rainbow. It sounds a lot like rainbow. Um, and you know, maybe that was that. That obviously was Tony's way of getting you know music out of his system, and you know someone turned it into a Black Sabbath album. So, in for the kill. All right, number four for me, another song off of Seventh Star. It is the Danger Zone or Danger Zone. Um, you know, listening to these songs this week, I had to find songs that were pretty good out of a, a out of a a really bleak group of songs. (laughs) And so, um, danger zone made the cut and that's number four for me. Uh, number three, I did say that I like this album tier. Uh, so number three for me is heaven in black off of the tier album. Uh, and I did say that I like this album. So we're back at tier again. Valhalla is number two for me. Uh, it's just, just the lyrics are pretty cool. The song is pretty cool. The riff is pretty cool. I thought this is a pretty cool song. But I could have picked a song off of Born Again. I could have picked several songs off of Born Again uh, because I thought they were pretty neat. But I was like, you know what? I really need to spread the love on this one. But for number one for me, I had to go to Born Again. Trashed the first song I heard from Ian Gillen and Black Sabbath. It, to me, still stands out as being the best song of the the uh, the non ozzy Dio era. Okay. I mean, that's a really good list. Um, I, I agree. There, there, there's an element of choosing is is kind of hard out of this crop of songs. <laughs> um, <laughs> it'd be more difficult, especially for you, because there's a lot of it you weren't as familiar with, right? So this was kind of hard for me too, in a different way, because I do know the songs a bit better. Um, so my number four is eyewitness. Um, that was one of the first ones that I remember hearing from Tony Martin. 
and uh, I really liked the riff on it. Like I said, the 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 lyrics sometimes come off as a, maybe a little cheesy, but I, I I'm totally fine with that. Um, my number two is going to be Devil and Daughter or Devil and the Daughter um, from Headless Cross. Uh, I really like that song. It's very heavy. Um, I think it's probably the best representative off that album. And um, it was really tough for me because I I wanted to kind of throw Headless Cross on there because I really do like that song. Um, But I, I had to edge it out because it just, you know, I think I think this list is just maybe a little better, and I I I I don't like the 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 honorable mentions, but I I do want to say that I really do like "In for the Kill" too. I think it's an awesome song. Uh, it just doesn't. It never felt like Black Sabbath for me. You know, because no, not it's at all. Not really it felt like Rainbow. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you throw Ronnie, um, if you throw Ronnie James Dio singing on that song, that's a Rainbow song. Possibly, yeah, or or um, Joe Lynn Turner, you know. Yeah. <laughs> um. So my number two is Cross of Thorns. Uh, that one's off of uh, uh Cross Purposes as well. Um, that to me is my favorite song off that album. It's very like the the emotion behind it is very strong. I really like the lyrics. There is um the uh, uh main chorus that I really like on that song too. Um, so I don't know if you, you gave it much of a listen, but definitely give it another listen, give it a try. Maybe it'll grow on you a little bit. Like um, but my number, <laughs> I, you know, it, it sticks with you. That's all that matters. <laughs> right? Um, uh, my number one is zero, the hero. Uh, that was, um, my favorite song off of born again. And it's just such a cool song. Something about the lyrics uh that uh, you know what's it gonna be what's it gonna be brother you know like i don't know i just think that's really cool um and that the kind of lead in from the dark uh like i said that was the that was i want to say the only song from that era that appeared on the the greatest hits that i had and that's what threw me off so heavily was that let me find that that greatest hits um but like it threw me off because ian's voice is not like Aussies, but there are things that he does that are kind of similar. And I, and I knew like Ozzy had, you know, by that point, no, I guess he hadn't really gotten back with black Sabbath. Um, when did he do the, the, um, the shows with, um, where, when, uh, Dio ended up quitting. That was after the humanizer. Uh, yeah, so that would have that would have been later, yeah, right? Yeah, because Ozzy Ozzy had done no more tours. That that was the ninety two ninety three shows, and so mm-hmm. um, he had uh, Dio was back with Black Sabbath for ninety two for Dehumanizer, and then uh, he asked or Ozzy asked Tony to see if, see if Black Sabbath would open up for Ozzy on the final shows, and he said no. Oh, well, t- not Tony, but Ronnie James Dio said hell no. No way in hell. We're not subjugating ourselves. To yeah. So then uh, Rob Halford stepped in. Uh, let's see. So the the greatest hits that I had was called The Best of Black Sabbath. And the only... No, it, yeah, the, it only has... 
Heaven and Hell and Turn Up the Night from Dio. That's it. Everything else is Aussie. And then it has The Dark slash Zero the Hero. And it I don't even remember it mentioning anybody but Ozzy on there. It says, like, all songs are written by Tony, Geezer, Ozzy, and Bill Ward, except where noted. And then I don't remember seeing anything, like, in the in the liner notes, other than it probably did have, like, their names, like, somewhere on there. But, like, that's bull. Like, only three songs out of 32 made it from any era other than Ozzy. And it's got a hard road on there. It's got a hard road rather than, I don't know, um, let's say Neon Nights or... Children of the Sea? No, no, well, yeah, Children of the Sea, but, like, Mob Rules? (laughs) Come on. Yeah. So, anyway... That was not a good representation uh, representation of Black Sabbath. So I, I, it was made by Sanctuary Records. Well, oh, it was just one of those. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was one of those like, hey, we own some shit. Let's put it out. <laughs> um, so, all right. Well, I, I like. I mean, I I had all those songs at some point. I was like, okay, maybe I could pick this song. Maybe I can pick that song. Um, but. You know, in in all honesty, I was kind of like, I got to go with what makes my foot tap, which makes my head bob. So these other ones did it for me. So that's I get it. That's my big four. All right. You know, technically, we probably could have put either Bill Ward song on there too. No, we couldn't. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, that's our big four non-Aussie Dio Black Sabbath songs, and that brings an end to this wonderful episode of Debating Metal. Remember, you can listen to us every week on your favorite podcast platform, so click like or subscribe so you can just wake up to us waiting for you to click play. Sounds a little creepy. And don't forget you can interact with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, or you can send us an email to debatingmetal at gmail.com. If you listen to us on YouTube, be sure to leave us a comment and ring that bell to be notified when we post a new episode. And remember to tune in next week when we spark up another exciting metal debate. On behalf of Kenneth and myself, stay safe and always turn it up to 11. See ya.